Welcome back to The Sacred Spot. The Sacred Spot is a podcast that seeks to provide a brave, open, welcoming, and affirming space for black faith practitioners and higher ed professionals to develop restorative practices rooted in healing and wholeness from an African diaspora-centered perspective. We are excited about this week's episode, episode four, the group chat, uh, The Sacred Spot in Authentic Friendships. We welcome two of our closest friends, Kevin Vandiver and Candice Bimbo, who will join us in this week's conversation. Just a quick note, while we were recording this episode, we had not learned that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris had indeed won the 2020 election. So if you hear us make reference, when you hear us make reference to that, please know that that information was not available until we concluded the recording of this episode. Thanks again for joining us. Sit back, relax, and journey with us to the sacred spot. This is Raquel, and you're listening to The Sacred Spot. Hey, party people, thank you for joining us for another episode of The Sacred Spot. We are so glad to be joined by two of our greatest friends, our best friends, uh, Candice and Kevin. We call ourselves Petty Prophets. You'll find out why as we go through this episode. (laughs) This is our first time um, coming together, and we're here today to kind of talk a little bit about The Sacred Spot of Friendships. Now, we know that after we're recording this uh, the week, the first week of November, so, I mean... The shit has really hit the fan this week, uh, so to speak. <laughs> We're not, um, but this is a good time. Now is the best time as ever to talk about community and how community helps to form us. So we're going to bring them on, have them talk about, you know, a little bit about themselves. But first, Pick, how you doing? How's your week, man? Listen, I'm trying to make it. It is hitting the fan. It is hitting the, the toilet. It's everywhere. <laughs> I, am, I am sick of uh, watching these election results come in. I just want it to be over. Oh, 2021, me, please. I'm Listen, I started putting up the Christmas tree because I'm like, just fast forward me to Christmas. I've been playing Motown Christmas album all week. So I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm tired. Yeah, man. I was sitting there like, yeah, I know too much about Anderson, Wolf, Don, all these little uh, uh, attorney generals from these cities, Maricopa County. I'm sick of it. Like, I, 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 like, I, uh, I was just on Instagram and people are talking about like how uh fine the news anchors are on cnn i was like y'all we got to stop it's, it's, it's time to go but no but for real you know so hopefully yeah hopefully we'll find out something soon but kevin candace how are y'all how are y'all making it first uh introduce yourselves tell the people who you are and then how you doing this week hey kevin mm. you can go first <laughs> uh I don't like to go first, but good evening and, and good good morning, everybody. <laughs> My name is Kevin Vander, and I'm one of the um, esteemed members of the Petty Prophets. Um, I don't know what they what they want me to say in way by way of introduction, but I guess that's enough. But as it relates to 
how I'm doing. Um, no, no, no. Hold wait. Can, can, <laughs> can we give a Kevin caveat? Got a, Kevin Thank got you. a whole job <laughs> on the 38th floor in Manhattan uh, when overlooking uh, the ocean. He's a PhD student at Homiletics. Hype yourself up, man. What's wrong with you? You talk too much. You telling all my business. You know, you don't know <laughs> who the you work. You're the only one that, that, that works for white folks, number one. Yes, but I work at... <laughs> <laughs> I work as assistant to the bishop for uh, the Metropolitan New York Senate. Uh, it's the evangelical, evangelical Lutheran Church in America now. Not the bad kind of evangelical, and we can parse that out at another time. But mm. we are um, open and affirming. And the reason that I went to the ELCA Lutheran Church is because of the theology. But I was born and raised in the good old Baptist Church, and that informs everything that I know and do even to this day. Um yeah, I'm also in my third year as a, a homiletics student and PhD student at, at Princeton Seminary. And yesterday, um, I've, I finished my second of my fifth comprehensive exam. And it's where you sit down for six mm -hmm. hours and you just got to, you know, spit out all the stuff you know from memory and all this stuff. It's, it's a whole lot. So right now I am completely drained and I have to gear up to study for the next uh, exam, which is next Friday. In the meantime, trying to juggle, you know, the working marriage. and uh, being, I got a whole marriage. I'm, I'm married to Dr. Marcy Vanver, but Cramp, it's huh? really, yeah, just shut up. <laughs> Golly, they don't know, they don't know me, Raquel. You, you, um, now first impressions are everything. Now, listen. Uh, I don't know how long I get to talk, but you're done, uh, Kevin. I'm done. Okay. Well, it's nice to meet y'all. God bless you. <laughs> well, how you doing? How you how you doing with the elections for sure? Um, I had a heart filled filled with skepticism, and I've had a heart filled with skepticism since 2016. Mm. Um, you know, steeling myself against what I consider to be the inevitable, and and I, I I to echo the sentiments that I wish they would hurry up and call it. I think that the media who has um, kind of contributed to the rise of Donald Trump is also now afraid for some reason to call it. It's, it's clear now that, that he's going home. Yeah, um, absolutely. and I wish they, I, I wish, I think that that would provide a little bit of stability. Now there's a lot of work to do after all of this, but, but it's really exhausting. I, I've just been trying to cope spending time with Marcy and, and, and also really studying. Um, so that's where I am right now. I hear that. Bimbo, Bimbo, how are you? Hello, everybody. Um, my name is Candace Bimbo. Um, not really much to say about me. Um, what am I doing? Uh, I am, I'm okay. I think that these election results have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I've had to turn them off because... I think I think anybody who's who is not anybody, but um, as somebody who deals with like high levels of anxiety, um, it has not helped. <laughs> um, 
and I've just finished the second. Um, oh, I also like tell what I do. Like, yeah, I was gonna let you finish, but go oh, ahead. Yeah. You know, she needs no introduction. The world knows Candace Bimbo. Hello. <laughs> oh, no, give us, uh, give us the same intro me. that you give other podcasts. Thank you. <laughs> not much to say about me. <laughs> Are you serious? <laughs> <laughs> so if y'all don't know, this is going to be a, a complete fool because that's what we all are. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, I am a writer and theologian. Um, my work really is at the intersections of um, uh, faith and feminism, uh, really centered in like Black women's healing and flourishing pra- practices. Um, I am at work on my first book, Rail of Theology, yeah. which um, comes out at the top of 2022. So I'm really excited about that. Hopefully the world will be open so we can actually do some real book, book, um, book tour. Wouldn't it be dope if we, oh, I just thought about that. Wouldn't it be dope if the four of us did a book talk somewhere? We're going to do it. Y'all pre-order. That would be so fun. That would be so fun. As long as the check cash, Reverend, I'm there. I love it. <laughs> that was so fun. Um, but um, I am a writer. I write for largely right now, writing for um, Essence and uh, Zora Mag, which I consider to be my two home bases. Um, th- what is going on? Yeah, like I, I'm, I'm really thinking through a lot of uh, the ways that, like Kevin said, the media is exacerbating um what we already know to be true like we like we know that he's one um but this kind of frenzy of it being too close to call and um just just the ways i was reading yesterday um that a poll worker was accidentally accused of throwing yeah, away a ballot and he was doxxed on uh, social media and they gave his put his license driver's driver's license driver's license plate out his mm-hmm. address and now he's in hiding um and i think that this has a lot to do with this every morning waking up and it's too close to call when it's not too close to call anymore and so um i'm just a lot of us who have anxiety um, this, the country is already at a heightened state of it, but I think those of us who deal with it on a deeper level, you know, trying to find ways to manage it, this definitely doesn't help. And so I've gone back to Christmas movies, um, Christmas music, um, other forms of, of self-care to just, at this point, to at least try to find a, a healthy balance. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And that's the biggest piece too. Like in in this moment, it's it's so it's such a stressor to turn the TV on. And depending on what station you're listening to, um, or who the anchor is, 
it's bringing up all kind of stress and anxiety. And so I think uh, this this week especially, which is I, I'm glad that this episode is happening, but this week especially, I've had to think about like how important it is to have a group of people around you <laughs> that you can kind of um, go into, right, to, to be surrounded by, to help uh, deal with the stress of this. So anyway, I'm, I'm glad that we're, we're having this episode talking about friendship, uh, especially how we have had to support each other as friends um, through a pandemic and everything else. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I want to, because in addition to everything, I feel like Paula White got her behind <laughs> to her this week. Get him a rinky dinky dink. Get him a rinky do. Yeah. How are you? Come on, not the African Asian. <laughs> uh, like, it's just what do like yeah, like I think, you know, like I said yesterday, I said my uncle who never really calls or whatnot, or whatnot, um, you know, he'll he'll call every now and then or whatnot, but he be golfing or doing whatever in COVID. Um, love you, but um <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but, but he but he called yesterday, you know, to make sure that I wasn't staying in town or whatever, like oh, you know, uh, the little rural town where I'm at or whatnot, um, where I am or whatnot, um, and was very clear of, you know, hey, you know, stay where you, you know, for as long as you can. It's like, but I think you need to make the way home, and you know, you don't know if it's just paranoia or something, but it's just interesting that yeah, for for a lot of black folks. Even when we know that it's a victory on the way, we feel increasingly unsafe. You you think about white evangelicals and white Christians, and I've even seen a lot of um, friends I've had who um, who are identified as Latino or not, um, who have been like really really actively. Um, praying and staging these kind of prayer revivals and, and you know and everything like that or whatnot for you know a turnaround in this election season or you know and it's just like what do you, I just wonder what's gonna be on the other side of this like even 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 when we get a Biden presidency like black folks and white folks I think how we I connect across religion, how we connect across, like all that stuff has changed. Or now it's gonna forever be a polarized country. Or when it's gonna forever be like a country where, you know, like, yeah, like I don't think it's, yeah. And, you know, and even on our campuses, I'm, you know, seeing that stuff, you know, seeing that happening too. So it's just like, what do y'all make of that? Like, of even her, even, like, it's like we had a whole year of COVID, black folks dying. She ain't think to get on the platforms and, and pray about none of that, but she gonna pray this week. I just want to I want to put out my 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 disclaimer that I absolutely hate um Paula White with every fiber of my being <laughs> <laughs> and I think that she is a bull on Jesus's backside so um, Lord <laughs> so I want to I want to put all my cards on the table but I I think one of the one of the interesting things that that just showed me, um, one, we have to looking at the the election results and the scary part of it all is how in every sector of or demographic, 
Trump did better. So he increased his percentage of voters in everyone. Mm. And that to me, even though, and I'm thinking specifically of, of black women here, but even though it's a small percentage, it was only 8%, yeah, but it is. Right, that that was still an increase. Mm-hmm. So what does it mean that we can go through four years of immense division, um, racism, sexism, and xenophobia, transphobia, homophobia, ableism, every every let's use church language every trick of the enemy right <laughs> that we can go through all of that and then we can get to a place where since march we've lost 200 almost really close to 250,000 Americans mm-hmm. and you can actually say that we've lost more than that if we include people who have passed away whose diagnoses were not whose causes of death were not COVID, but their deaths were COVID-related before we even knew that, you know what I'm saying, that COVID was here. Um, To have that and then to still say, but God is somehow resting with this administration and it's incumbent upon us to... um, to somehow pray in this administration, the fact that you would literally pray for the angels to come from shithole countries mm-hmm. <laughs> to help to help this man steal an election, right? Like, you know, somebody somebody tweeted me the other day and was like, "Wow, even in the spirit realm, spirit realm, white folk expect black people to do everything." Mm-hmm. And and I laughed, but then I was like, damn, like, that's true. Like, she didn't, and, and, and the, 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 uh, and it was intentional, right? So, like, she didn't say angels are coming from England right now. England are, uh, angels are coming from the Caucasus Mountains, right? There was something about suggesting that God has downloaded into her that angels are coming from Africa and South America to, to one, legitimize her bullshit, but then to also, you know, signal to black and brown folks that worship with her that whatever she's saying is accurate. And, and I'm just tired of black people carrying white folks water i'm tired i saw them i saw them black people in the clips them two black women walking back and forth tearing in the spirit and i wanted to kick both of them but i'm just <laughs> you are the kingdom suffers violence <laughs> and the violent got to take it by force that's wow <laughs> no is 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 yeah no I, I i think you're exactly right and you know because so many well i'm i'm glad that most of the black women i know have pulled more away from her now but there are some other ones they probably think the same thing you know and you know sister joyce and a couple others you know who they have built whole platforms whole ministries that were not yeah. off of you know off of the money the coins and the loyalty um of 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 women of color or whatnot and you know some of their allegiances and alliances or when I just completely, you know, like they they abuse and they exploit or when I yeah. their same basis, you know, and their same audience. 
practices, you know. So it's just, yeah, it's just really interesting. Oh, and not that of, of this week, she gone resurface. She could have just sat there and ate her food, literally. <laughs> And as she was um as she was talking, I actually had not drew the connection between like Paula White and Christina Braithwaite um until I think uh somebody had posted it on social media. Um but as she was talking and she was talking about the African, you know, angels are coming, the angels are coming from South America. I could the only thing I could think about was that scene in Lovecraft Country where mm-hmm. the ancestors have like come around to help tick and uh, mm-hmm. you know they they mm-hmm. they are like beating the stew out of that the white man that's all i could think about like yes call on them i want the angels to come and assist because mm-hmm. the angels i know and the ones that you talk about calling on Hello. are completely different I'm thinking in terms of uh, I had some I had anyway I'm thinking in terms of like how disturbed I am that you know you told you know Bell Hooks talks about that how black men and white women are grasping for this you know this white male bravado Mm. and how like they kept talking about how the black men there were black men who were attracted to um to to Trump for whatever reason you know you got Ice Cube you got all these Lil Wayne and all these other people that are coming in and trying to first of all why is it that 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 they think that the rappers speak for all of us like well. like oh you want to let's bring let's get the influential black people okay let's let's get the rappers cuz that's cuz that that's all we do but like this yeah, exactly right, right. we rap and play basketball <laughs> been playing basketball anyway um i just it really is disturbing to me how we grasp for, for grasp for whiteness how we mm-hmm. perform for whiteness i think about how i have to perform everywhere on my job i got to perform at mm-hmm. school to, mm-hmm. to to be deemed acceptable mm-hmm. and now these you know we're there's a, a sector of us who thinks that we have to continue to perform you know for this kind of white gaze and and we're grasping and striving for this this bravado, especially as men, I think we, it, it just makes me think that we need to have a lot of conversations around, uh, masculinity, um, the value of, of, of being a black man, just because you're a black man. Um, and, mm. and thinking through kind of, kind of some of that, because I think also when it comes to Paula white, uh, I, I want to talk to the people or the person who gave her the platform in the first place. Mm. Right? Like all the names. Because it's the sacred I'm spot. Concerned. We call names. We about to lose the whole listener. We call rate. names over here. <laughs> I'm concerned. I'm concerned that we are fed, you know, or we are that we are exposed to um, people who continue to do harm to the black community, that people with influence brought Paula. Like the only reason we know who Paula White is is because she was on those major circuits and platforms. And now we want to turn around and castigate her 
she should have never been on the platform. Who's choosing and why are, are we choosing? And then, you know, you know, there's some stuff being said about her, her preaching. I never liked her preaching. You know, I didn't, I just thought that it was a cheap copy of yeah, the, truth about the whole thing. The black homiletical ethos. Yeah, I wasn't. Uh, I just, yeah. ugh, I couldn't, I never was, <laughs> Not, uh. even as a child, when I was, when I didn't know nothing, I, I didn't. Um, and I just, I felt like if a child could see through what they were doing, then how could not the people who were grown? Mm. And so, mm. you know, we also have to think about our own people who put these, you know, it's again, that grasping, I need this person in my audience to appeal. Mm-hmm. I, I need this person. I need this person to preach for me so that I can appeal mm-hmm. to this sector of my office it's based- so I can grasp for my own money and, you know, and fame, you know? And so they weren't thinking about us when they made, gave her that platform. And now it's the the chickens have come home to roost. I'm glad Jeez. that people are, have have been dragging her in social media. I went to uh, troll. I, uh, troll is not the right word, That's but I did do. go to troll. sit in on her uh, prayer service <laughs> the day after she said and strike and strike. And the lady that was praying was like, "No, we pray against the spirit of ridicule. Love the spirit of ridicule that is coming this time." And I was like, "Yep, hello, <laughs> yeah, we watching because that was dumb what you did." But even when you think about the origins of her, uh, of her even getting those platforms, she always called herself. Her tagline was that she was a white woman trapped in a. She was a black woman trapped in a white woman's body, right? That that she was this uh, poor. Lovecraft. (laughs) That's literally what she would say when she would preach on these stages. Was that she was this? She was trapped in this white body, but she was really a poor black girl from Mississippi. Like that's like that was her her stick. Really interesting. Because the only one that gave me close to that, even though Ken's don't <laughs> was sure Brady. Let's be clear. <laughs> that's the only one that gave me close to that <laughs> but go ahead. <laughs> but but, but I think so, so what's so funny is is that when I was critiquing Paula White, people kept people kept bringing up um Paul, uh, they kept bringing up Cheryl Brady, and I think what, and I think what is true about it all, right, is that you can have black, you can have white folk in our spaces who really care about us and who really advocate for us and who really, um, and I mean, I I can't say because I ain't, I ain't never heard her say Black Lives Matter. She got a black a black son in law, so I hope Black Lives do matter to her because her grandbabies are black. Um, but but what I will say is that the same critique applies, right? Is that we can look to Cheryl Brady and we can look to Paula White as the two white women who have been able to sustain and ascend out of being in those circles mm-hmm. and attached to both Bishop Jakes and prominent black male pastors. But when you look at the white women, I mean, the black women, clergy women who were in those same positions, their one, their legacies are storied. <laughs> their, their stories and their narratives are marred by a lot of stuff. And when you look at them now, they are not in comparable 
positions. And so it was easier for you to place all of your resources. It was easier for you to place all of your influence and access into a black woman trapped in a white woman's body than for you to actually put them in a black woman. Mm. And I think that that's something that it, it, honestly, at some point, and it's been really interesting to watch black male pastors who have had Paula at their churches and think we forgot to tweet and post about what she said this week Mm. and kind of distance themselves from her, but never really reckon with the reckon with the fact that y'all helped to create this monster, Mm. right? Yes, yes. That um, if she, if she, it's it's a different thing when you have a Brian Houston from Hillsong go to the White House and pray for her, pray for the president. It's a different thing when you have Franklin Graham go and pray for the president because they did not come out of our traditions, nor did black people, black preachers give them the cosign. Right. It's a completely different thing when a white woman who actually, if we tell the truth, if we tell the truth about the whole thing, stole a black woman's church, right? Like she stole a church that was was supposed to be led by a black woman. She was helped by some of these very bishops and pastors that we love, right? She takes this church that was that that had a black history and then is what she uses to then go to to this next platform. And at some point our people who we love dearly, like I said on Twitter, I love and deeply respect Bishop Bishop Jakes. Mm. At some point Bishop Jakes going to have to give an account for the fact and I wish that people people called and put his feet to the fire to say, you actually did this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and, I mean, if T.I. can apologize for giving us Iggy Azalea, I think Bishop James can apologize for giving us uh, Apollo. Oh, <laughs> every time I see her on Every time I see Paula on the on the on the TV or well, the, the computer screen, I just think you about to lose your job, you know, because that, I think that's part of she's just trying to preserve her own posterity. Got these got the uh, got the, the man behind her who is her son, I believe, walking back and forth with the, the robe on him and all this stuff. It's it's just it's just too much. It's time for them to to exit stage left. Pack it up. We wonder. Well, yeah. So we, as as of right now, we don't know the results or whatnot. Well, we know the results when ain't no news outlets called it or whatnot. So mm-hmm. hopefully, hopefully, you know, um, in the coming days or whatnot, we will we will have some results. Uh, people feel all kind of ways about it or whatnot. Um, you know, it's just this is probably one of the few times where. There will it's more about what do we get out of <laughs> or not, a situation we get out of, I think, for me anyway, rather than 
just blanket enthusiasm for any presidential candidate um, mm-hmm. or whatnot. Definitely glad to see Kamala kind of make that ascent to, to the VP um, office. But yeah, it's just been a really interesting week trying to help students process that. It's one of the ones where they come in the office, they close the door. I don't have to. <laughs> they just come in, close the door, slam it, and sit down and go off about their classmates, about, you know, just uh, their own anxiety. They ain't sleeping. <laughs> um, whatnot. They have not slept all week or not, you know, and it just, you know, and so how do you, you know, help them to kind of calm and center themselves and, you know, and kind of calm down. And like Pick was saying, one of the things that has helped me for sure is community and friendship. The group chats have been lit all week <laughs> of just trying to, uh, you know, laugh and just make humor. That's the one thing black folks can do in stressful times, right? Or not. If, you know, if it's a way to laugh, we're going to find it or whatnot. And so, you know, even for us, you know, our friendship, how did we even become friends? I was really sitting there trying to think about it this morning. Who knows? <laughs> I wanted, you know, I know we all went to a seminary together, but then I feel like we were all in the tri-state at the same time, right? Or whatnot, um, or roughly uh, somewhat the same time, or whatnot, overlapping or whatnot. And I felt like that just kind of developed. I guess we were all Southern transplants um, to New York and Jersey, or whatnot. Um, am I remembering that right? Yeah, I mean, Destin and I, I think Destin and I knew each other the longest mm-hmm. because yeah. we knew each other before. Um, we were North to, Carolinians. Yeah, and we knew each other before we got to Duke. Um, I, it, we were, we came in together. So what was it? Kevin was already there. Yeah, right. Kevin, the Kevin, 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 and so I felt like, but I felt like that group chat, which we almost titled this episode the group chat, I felt like that really started from being in, um, like I say, from being in New York at the same time. Kevin and I had a really good friendship. Um, uh, I actually remember... What we, we kind of became really good friends when he was working in Charlotte. Um, yeah, when you came and picked me yeah. up in that BMW and took me to lunch. Yeah. It was my mama's BMW. Stop saying that out loud. Nice. I ain't never nice. drove no BMW. I was driving it for the summer. Look, she was traveling the length and the breadth of the globe at the time because, because the, the world was still open. I said, Raquel, this is nice. This guy is real fancy. No, Where I are we going? You paying for lunch? Because you try to mess it. No, I I definitely took you to lunch and made you pay. I was like, man, you up here with them suspenders on? You paying for this lunch? (laughs) (laughs) He was selling all the the suits. Oh yeah, Kevin. Yeah, he sells sells suits. By the way, y'all. So look him up. Sure fits. Go get you some suits, Taylor. (laughs) At Vanderbilt Taylors. Thank you. So I felt like that, you know. And then it was interesting because when I was getting ready to go to New York, Kevin was getting ready to go to New York at the same time and I think uh yeah that so that first year in New York and then Candace was going to Jersey at the same time or whatnot so I felt like that kind of kind of coalesced and started or whatnot and then 
already was close with Pitt. And so kind of when he made his transition up to New York, oh, and it kind of became, yeah, mm-hmm. like, I, I felt like that's where it started or oh, whatnot. And, you know, some folks fall by the wayside. <laughs> God bless them or oh, whatnot. Yeah. But, you know, you just have to, you know, do, do what is necessary and, you know, and what is needed. But, I but you know, another had, thing, y'all were, y'all were also closer as a unit, the three of y'all, because y'all was having them little Baptist Halloween parties uh, down oh, yeah, there. You were invited to. Those. You were invited to, but you had to go you back lied. to Charlotte. Look, to Dr. Morris and a lot of these people. So, <laughs> you, so you, was always, you was always going back and forth to Charlotte with them so, suits on. And he was, yeah, Kevin was real safe. Kevin even had no TV. Kevin, Kevin, right. <laughs> Kevin wore a suit every day on campus. Every I sure did. You know what? Part of it's because I felt like I didn't belong there, so I was trying to brush oh. up on the outside. Oh goodness! Until my inside caught up. I, that's a word for somebody. Oh, yeah, imposter oh. syndrome is very real at Duke. Yes. Uh, oh, oh, y'all saying the school now? In general. Okay. Oh, and yeah. anyway, <laughs> anyway, we came together as friends, and we've been friends for a mighty long time. Yes. So even in that. <laughs> what we have come away over a bridge that has been <laughs> So what makes what for y'all would not makes a good friendship? Um like what makes you know friendship a friendship good what makes it work, you know what I'm saying? Or whatnot. Um I you know, we try to think of ways to give advice to people. I have uh, Folks, all the time, that's a big thing and whatnot. It's just, like, feeling like they don't have community. A lot of people are feeling very isolated in COVID um, whatnot and very disconnected. So what, for you, makes a friendship worthwhile or sustaining? But we're not. Um, I, I'm, I'm going to start because I think I, I will say my I feel like mine is a little bit different than everybody else's because I'm the only, only child. Mm. And so uh, friendships, for me, have to become family. Um, and... I'm not necessarily saying that um, I have, I I, I would say I have tears. Like I have people who are, um, that I consider to be folks that I'm close to. We have like interests, you know, we can check in with each other every once in a while. Um, When I'm in town, when they're in town, we can have fun. We can, you know, we have common interests and those interests align for us to have fun. We may be on the periphery of each other's lives. There may be things that I don't know about them that, you know, or things they don't know about me, and that's okay. Uh, but those deeper friendships, to me, um, they cross the boundary from friend to family. Mm. And they're people that really can, like, hold my stuff. Um, and they trust me to hold theirs. And so... I think that, that that's just a proven, for me, over time, it's just proven consistency. That it's not that, you know, you're perfect, but it's that um, that there's something that makes you stay. Like, I think, for me, I say, you know how people always say you can't choose your family. I, I take that the same way when friends cross, when friends become family. They're not people that that I can disconnect from. Um, one, because if you if you become that close to me, then you're not a 
like you're not an overall trash person mm-hmm. <laughs> that I would not want to be, you know, connected to. But I think I think one of the things that's made our friendship work for the way that it does is two two things I think. Um transparency and accountability. Um I think mm-hmm. that um as the, I'll say, I'll, and I'll say this, and and I'll be quiet. Um, in this group, I was able to be my most fragile, and I wasn't afraid to be that um, when a lot of things happened to me. And what was beautiful about y'all, about all of us living in the tri-state area at the time was that I could say something and it sounded off to y'all. And the next thing I know, somebody was knocking on my door. And that to me is what family does. Um, But then there's also the accountability that if I'm not, if I'm not doing what I need to do, if I'm not holding up my end, if y'all aren't, we're not afraid to say like, okay, like you might, you need to, you need to get it together, Reverend, like this, you know? Um, and so I think, I think friendships have to thrive in that space of transparency and accountability because it allows you to be vulnerable and it allows you to be you. Mm-hmm. If we got to put on all these masks in the world, and suffer the consequences of the mask. And then in the places where we don't wear the mask and just be like, y'all gonna get me, and we still suffer those consequences, we need soft places to land, and those have to be our friendships. Mm. Sometimes we ain't got it in family, because, I mean, we all know my family tries to shit, so. Um, <laughs> Lord. Lord. <laughs> Kevin, what about you? <laughs> the things, I don't want to uh, repeat what Candace has said, but there are a couple of things that I would um, would would re- well, would would uh, add to that. I think relationships, especially friendships, have to be able to hold tension. I am less impressed with um, people's ability to, to be nice or cordial to each other, to mm-hmm. know about their daily, day-to-day stuff, as I am with uh, watching how people handle tension. And we have we have had some we've had our tiffs over the years like they've been smaller or, or larger you know we've 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 disagreed we've you know we've had moments where we were, we were upset with each other but we always come back to each other um, because our relationship is strong enough because um, because it can hold tension. Our relationships can hold tension. And that is the test of a friendship for me. Also, I would say that there are a lot of people with whom I I thought I was friends with just five years ago or 10 years ago. But as I have grown as a person, I've, I've outgrown those relationships mm. and not necessarily. What, what makes you, when you say outgrown, what makes you like, I think my worldview has changed in significant ways, um, theologically, uh, socially. Um, mm. And I just think I've grown up as a person, you know, like the things I used to do as a, as a young, head, really? young minded person, as a kid, 
you just stop doing. But there are a lot of people uh-huh. who are our age that are still acting like children in my estimation. And that's fine. This is not a judgment against people being who they want to be and how they want to, how they want to be in the world. But I have found that in my, my own life that those relationships have um, not been helpful for my own continued growth and development as a person. And so I think mm-hmm. that when you choose friends or when friends are sent to you from, from the creator, that um, another test of that friendship is that person's ability to grow, evolve, and change, mm-hmm. not necessarily in relation to you, Mm. But in relation to themselves, you know, absolutely, birds mm-hmm. of a feather flock together. Mm-hmm. You know, like attracts like that kind of thing. So that's another yeah. thing that I've got. Yeah. Kevin and these mini sermonettes. I could do your me. thing, Kevin. <laughs> I'm trying to get some. I'm trying to get some engagements. <laughs> but, but no, <laughs> no, that's very real because I think some people I've always wrestled with, and I think even Kevin, because me and Kevin, like I say, we both from South Carolina. Yeah, I ain't think about that. They're actually, Kansas, both Kansas and Dustin from North Carolinians. Both me and Kevin are South Carolinians. Sorry, I know I'm talking really fast, but. That's always one thing when I talk to Vandiver is for me moving back home, and I moved back home very different <laughs> than I was when I left home. And so, how do you make sense of like loyalties? And you know, I had some really great friendships, people who were very, you know, supportive and who were um loving. But you know, like in many ways, I had really. Outgrown was really the only word, or just I just was not the same person that I was when we were friends a couple of years ago. And so, being able to make those negotiations and recognize you're not a bad person, you're not an arrogant person, you're not, you know, it's just it's okay for these things to shift and for these things to change or whatnot, just because we're evolving differently and we're, you know, we're growing in different directions. And some folks are choosing not to grow at all, um, or whatnot, and, you know, and being all right with that and being settled with that. So, I think that's a good point too um that i think like a lot of people yeah sometimes you will hang on and stay in certain friendships and stay in certain friend circles or whatnot because you don't want to be the one to be like this ain't working for me no more but child life is too short for sure but what about you pick my bad no i I was gonna say like right in there i think what has allowed me to move away from those friendships that were not as um, productive or um, flourishing helpful as they could be is because I had other friendships like this that were challenging me um, and, and really making me to like really making me move forward, really making me assess what it is that I thought I believed, you know, how I believed who I was to really uh, have that self-reflexive moment. Um, mm-hmm. And so I think the security of a friendship like this um, has allowed me to kind of assess and reassess and know that I can move away from some of the other, uh, you know, connections that I've had. And that's been extremely helpful for me because even as I think through my um, like ideological shifts, my theological shifts, most of that has happened in this friend circle. Uh, it has been mm. y'all who have challenged me to move, you know, and be uh, cognizant of my sexism and all the other isms, right? <laughs> um, I will never forget, like, you know, first getting to, to, um, to seminary and even before we became like this close knit, but Candace and I, you know, knowing each other beforehand, 
Candace will always be the one like Negro. <laughs> like, no, <laughs> you ain't got it. And because I know you, I'm not going to just let you go out here like that. Like you really got to do that work. And I think as we have all grown closer um, to one another, we hold each other accountable, which is what Kevin was talking about. You know, we hold each other accountable or Candace mentioned that too, um, to, to make sure that we are all growing, um, so that we, you know, that we can be like-minded. Uh, so I think that has been really important and influential for me. Yeah. So what else makes a good, a good friendship for you too, Pete? I mean, at this point, having people around me is not something that is, is necessary. I am, uh, you know, very much an introvert. So if I'm going to have people around me, I need it to be folks who I know got my back, who are going to support me and who I actually want to be there. So I think when I've got into that place of not needing to be surrounded by a bunch of folk just for the heck of it, um, that, that has helped me to kind of reassess what a good friendship means. And it really, at this point, is having folk <laughs> around me in my corner that I really want to be there, um, that I have, you know, kind of se- selected in some place where they selected me um, and knowing that together we are growing, we are flourishing. I think we are all in our own ways, you know, doing really great things. And that keeps me motivated. It keeps me moving forward. And so I think that motivation, just like that likeness, um, and and the desire to be around i mean sometimes i don't want to be around y'all and that's very clear <laughs> very Let's be clear about that um but i think at the when it all boils down to it <laughs> it is it really having people who who are pushing you um to to progress um and 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 be a better version of yourself uh, and that's what i've appreciated much about this friendship and just having folks to catch you right to to catch you when all hell is breaking loose and i think you know this year um has been really challenging for certain so to have that that net to fall back on and know that there's support coming from people who you call family that is extremely um extremely helpful and especially you know just to talk about especially as you know we've all shifted in our in our theologies and ideologies and just how we show up in the world um it is not always easy to be supported by family our biological family i just gotta name that um but i think whenever you have a, a group of friends who have become family who like, like Kevin was saying, like they, they share that same uh, kind of spirit, that same like-mindedness. Um, it is easier to, 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 to be yourself, to, to be transparent, to be vulnerable. And so I think at this point, as I am growing, having a space where I can be the truest form of myself is important. And that's what a good friendship is to me. It is, is being able to walk in, to take the mask off and to completely be who you are. Yeah, no, that's good. That's some good stuff. So what would y'all say are like, or maybe we talked about it a little bit, are like deal breakers or whatnot? The Kiddiness of this, like, nah, I'm done. Like, no, this is this ain't working for me. I think it's that. Like, the the funny part about it is we say, um, <laughs> um, we call ourselves the the petty prophet. I don't know who gave us that name, but um, yeah. but, but okay, oh, the Dustin, it might be Dustin though. Yeah. <laughs> 
but but there isn't really pettiness in our like friend circle. Like um, the the truth that like <laughs> we we can be slightly. <laughs> don't be on this don't be on this thing lying, Candace. No, 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 no. What I mean, what I mean about pettiness is. And, and we can have this conversation here. I don't think that we are petty to each other. I think we say what we got to say to each other, and it's just that. Like mm. when I see pettiness, very honest. Yeah. yeah, when I think of pettiness, I think of like spiteful hydra. Say some, oh say no, some, I ain't talking about that petty. I'm talking about like, is is a deal breaker for me that like. <laughs> If you are somebody who is genuinely petty, so that's why I say because malicious. Yeah, yeah. Call I'm like petty is you know you taking off your bonnet while we on this heavy <laughs> sand on the bike like that. Petty. <laughs> <laughs> I hate y'all. <laughs> no, but here's the thing. <laughs> It's just so damn much. But, but here's the thing. Real friendships, because tell the truth. I'm going to tell the truth. If y'all FaceTime, if if any one of these four people FaceTime me at, in, at any given point, they're going to see me in my bonnet. So, uh, Myrtle so. Urkel. <laughs> <laughs> Not Myrtle Urkel. Myrtle Urkel. That's perfect. Oh, she'll never let this one down. I hate y'all so much. I'm done. I'm not saying Go ahead. That. No. So you said spitefulness. I will say this. I don't know. I don't know what makes a good friendship because I'm reevaluating three of them right now. <laughs> don't throw me in there. I'm sitting no, there. I think I think I think what you was getting at is a good point because there are some folks, yeah, like you, uh, it's nice, nasty, right? Oh, yeah, you can always tell when you know yeah. you have folks who they are like, yeah, they in your corner, but not really. <laughs> and yeah. and at any given point, like they'll just kind of show that other little end. Or particularly, like Dustin was saying, all of us are very, you know, like we, you know, we have our own things going on, <laughs> like our own. Well, y'all, y'all three really do, but we're not. Hell, I go to work and go home, but um, but you know, but oh, like yeah. it's just this idea that so it's easy to 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 be very intimidated it's easy you know if you're insecure insecurities can easily come up or whatnot you know and you you find those folks who like you say like sometimes you like when you really got to squint your eye because they oh i'm just joking girl but are you really or whatnot like <laughs> you know was that really uh you know yeah. it, it just feels like a real kind of slight so i do think like when we say petty like that not malicious, not mean spirited. Right. Like, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, that's 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 what I was getting to. Um, it's not mean spirit. That's a deal breaker. Also, um, I will say the another deal breaker for me, and I think it goes back to what to what Dustin was saying too about growth is. If if I can look at us from the from the the stand of our friendship, and I can't necessarily chart and see, and this has been hard for me this year, I will I will admit to that and own that. If I can't really chart and see how you have grown in certain areas, and we have been friends, 
then what that means to me is not that I've outgrown you, not that that you're not growing, but this means that we don't need to journey closely together. And I think about that when it relates to mm. when I see folks talk about, you know, black women, when I see folks talk about queer folks, marginalized identities. If, if you're talking in a way that doesn't reflect that we've been walking closely together, if you're talking in a way or you're doing things in a way that don't even look like you was friends with me, then I need to reevaluate why we're so close. Mm. And that's hard because sometimes it can lead itself to that arrogance of thinking. Like, and I hate the, the whole idea that like, God is elevating one and leaving the other one and one is outgrowing. And I, cause, because I, like I, I don't, I, I'm trying to find better language for it. Yeah. But I do think what it means is that we can't journey together anymore. Like if there are some places that I have just grown out of and to, to stay close and connected to those places and those thoughts, those thoughts and those ideologies, is death dealing to me and it should be death dealing to the people that I'm in a relationship with. And so if, if we out here just trafficking and death, we can't live and flourish. And so, mm. and, and what, what it possibly means is that you was holding on to this relationship, just like I was holding on to it. And somebody got to be able to say, I love you, but may the Lord watch between me and me. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What about you, Vandal? I'm thinking in long terms of um, mutuality, um, just from my own perspective as a, as a friend. I've been in a lot of friendships, and I put that in air quotes, that where I was contributing or giving a lot of myself mm. and, and receiving nothing in return, mm. partly or less, a lot less in return, because I felt like it was my obligation to be a good friend to, to people. So I... Um, so personally, and, and not, not, not necessarily on a general term, I think that relationships, sh relationships should have mutuality. Mm. I think about um, like all of the times that we've been there for each other and we just know, you know, if something goes down, I can count on these friends. And that, that's kind of been my, my perspective and, and like for the sanctity of the relationship to someone else, just like I feel the need to be present. Um, you all have also been present for me in, in, a, in a myriad of ways. Um, the, the give and take it's, it's a mutuality. It's a, mm -hmm. a perichoretic dance. It's, it's a, it's a, like we we are living and moving and working together. You see, like it's empirically perichoretic. Oh, perichoretic okay. is, oh, a, is a function of the of the of the Trinity, the dance. Anyway, um, their move the, the Trinity's movement together. You know how they the the anyway. But like, like there is there is. I just feel like so the Trinity the Trinity as a group chat. I like that. But there's four of us, Reverend. Come well, on, stop. I'm just saying. Oh, wait a minute. It's four of us. <laughs> well, go ahead. Well, yeah, but I'm just saying, like, give and take. You got to have, if I'm if I'm giving, I need to be able to feel like I'm also benefiting in some way. And, again, I, the language shows. So we, I, I'm the one who threw out the outgrow and then the give and take, like, this kind of, kind of, uh, capitalistic mindset, but I just think that there should be some kind of sharing of 
reciprocity. Reciprocity. Yeah, reciprocity. That's a good word. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think the biggest part, too, again, I, I named the whole like notion of the net. And I think we've all kind of pulled it in here is that because especially for me, the deal breaker is when I have a moment of falling and it's been two and three times and homie, you still haven't called me. Like what's like, what's happening? You know, um, when, when I, I have been there, I've been present for you. I have tried my best to, to catch you, to help you. Right. But like you said, the reciprocity isn't there. And so you have to start to ask the question of, is this, um, is this, is this friendship beneficial for both of us? Or is only one person benefiting from it? Right. Are we unequally yoked? Shando, Ikambo. Uh, so I think that's the biggest part too. Like if 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 if, if, if the support mm. isn't there, it's been time and time again, and, and I'm having to reach out to you. You know, like hold on, wait. <laughs> like, dog, no, you're not yeah. gonna check on me. You don't you don't care what's happening. Um, I think that's 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 the deal breaker. What's your deal breaker, Rocky? Oh yeah, much of the same. I'm thinking about what you said. We don't, we, you know, you ever notice how we never talk about being unequally in terms of friendships like this? Like that very, very, you know, that very much can be a thing. But I, I would say I have thoughts, and then I feel like my my body or my natural inclination tells me I also have other thoughts or whatnot. I will say for me, it has been very much this year being able to recognize the actual showing up or when like showing upness is just a lot like not just you know the not just the call to check on the like I really re I, I really reevaluate relationships where people will not inconvenience themselves um at any point when I like when I, yeah when I when when people in will in no way inconvenience themselves or when you know and expect you know, that for you to inconvenience yourselves, because that's the reality. I think that's what we don't, like, at some point when you are really walking and journeying with people, it, you know, there will come points, where, you know, where you have to, like, I got to put everything down and tend to this. Or whatnot, you know, like, I have to, you know, and if you have those relationships where people do not literally show up or whatnot, like, granted, you know, I mean, we're in a pandemic now or whatnot, but, yeah, like, people are finding very creative ways to do that. Um, people are finding very creative ways to make space for actual presence. Um, and so presence really matters, particularly in a very virtual, social, digital, like, I can have peers, you know, on social media. I can have, you know, loose connections or whatnot um where you know hey like how's the family or whatnot like you know I'm liking you know the baby's pictures or something like that or whatnot but my real friendship friendships or whatnot you know and my real like relationships are people who really make space for that presence um and then I would say even for me like yeah in my own personal journey like it's like folks that I can be completely vulnerable with um or whatnot like vulnerability is a, a very difficult thing for me so when I struggle um to be vulnerable around someone or whatnot like I have to reassess sometimes it's me or whatnot and it's just not a trusting thing but oftentimes it's very much space where even in those friendships I'm performing <laughs> or whatnot like um whenever I feel like I have to perform in a friendship because I feel like yeah like you know and I always go back to that being some of that comes from being a child preacher 
Stooges, many of I recognize that many of my friendships and relationships were extremely transactional. Um, not, you know, and they were just rooted. It's not much reciprocity. They were really just rooted in come do this for me, or you know, or you come do that for me. Or not so much of the nature of the friendship was very much it was performing or whatnot because we were in the same vocation. Um, or whatnot. And so really being able to divorce some of that or whatnot, and you know, actually have spaces where I don't have to perform. If I still feel like I'm performing. That doesn't mean you're not a great person. That doesn't mean, you know, that, you know, you don't have amazing gifts and that you're not an amazing friend to somebody. I'm just recognizing that you probably are not, you know, um, you're not somebody I would consider a friend right now or whatnot, you know, and that's fine. And I'm probably not the best friend for you or whatnot, you know, um, and that's fine too. But having those spaces where I can just be completely rock, completely myself, um, like that really matters to me nowadays, um, you know, and that's what's important. So does that make sense? Yeah, it's mm-hmm. funny that you said that because I'm sitting here thinking, and I think I think it goes to the friendships and how organically they they form. Because I would have never thought that you had an issue of vulnerability, um, particularly in our friendship. Because I think from um, I remember the, I actually remember when we met um, at the. We were following each other on Twitter first, but then when we met each other in school. Um, but our friendship became one, it became a sisterhood really quickly. And so, like, I would have never, when you said, like, I struggle with vulnerability and friendship, I was like, huh, because I never got that from you. But I also think that that kind of means that in certain relationships, um, that I don't, I don't even want to over spiritualize it and be like group spirits connect. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we also have a concurrent chat going because they can't never just focus on one thing. <laughs> but Dustin is insinuating that I didn't tell him anything. <laughs> Whatever, fool. <laughs> I mean, to be fair. I was just like, I, I definitely had, yeah, we definitely had. But, and I, and I also it's a sacred spot. Let's be honest. For much of seminary, yes, Candace had to hold me in a very particular way, which is what I mean. Because yes, I, I, we mean, I had a, I, I had a very real relationship with alcohol for most, for most of, of, of seminary, and a lot of that was suppression or whatnot. And so it, so I would say, like, yes, vulnerability was a major struggle or whatnot of just being honest and like being able to like just actually share my feelings or whatnot um you know and most people didn't experience that or whatnot you know because uh yeah like they was just really seeing me as you know she's nice she just I just you just didn't want to get into all those dark emotions or whatever so I was glad for a sisterhood where you can have that or whatnot you know yeah. saying, or whatnot, in a space where you can um you know like tap into those things or whatnot but also like that accountability came in too I think you had to be vulnerable a bit with Bimbo because she just kind of wasn't really taking a lot of 
a lot of the stuff or whatnot. So I think her friendship was like the first one where like boundaries was very clear for both of us who are not um of just like, yeah, like this is like not not only boundaries in the sense of how you treat me, but boundaries in the sense of how you treat yourself. Mm-hmm. So not like my relationship with Kenz was the first one where I recognized I'm not good to me. <laughs> um mm-hmm. and, not, and like people don't have to be around me if I'm not good to myself. <laughs> and not like and until I began to treat myself better and began to do better for my, you know, want to do better for myself or whatnot. Like there's no point in me surrounding people with my misery. Um or whatnot like and surrounding people because I don't want to like actually grow and evolve and because I don't want to tap into stuff that I'm just trying to suppress and avoid. So all that to say, <laughs> like yes, I would say it was a struggle, but I do thank God that I had safe places to land or whatnot um and safe places to really like work through that and work that out because much of it I was working out while we were in school. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, and I think part of it too is the way that we read. We, I think the other word that we have, we may have not said yet, but um, need to say is therapy and wellness. Yes. Um, because all of us mm-hmm. have been on those journeys ourselves um, to realize what is, you know, not healthy. And like, I mean, it's, Case on everybody know like this group knows my therapist's name and like have I think I've met her several times and Amen, like it's nothing for them to be like if I'm like going too left for me like have you talked to Nancy this week? <laughs> girl, what my girl that's at? usually Raquel too. Raquel always tells somebody to go to the couch. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but you but you need that because the other truth is what we have also learned in our friendships is that even though that our friendships and our friends can hold the truth of who we are and we can be transparent and we can be vulnerable, they are not the place where we need to be doing our work. We don't need to be working out our stuff absolutely um they that's what trained professionals are for (laughs) that's what other spaces are for and at some point i mean i i came to the one of one of the one of the the biggest conclusion that i came to actually for myself came because of this group was that i was like i actually don't want to be this heavy to my friends. Um, and again, you know, that like it was, I went through a really, really tough season of an onslaught of things and y'all showed up for me, but I also didn't want to just be the broken friend that like, okay, like Lord Jesus, do is this. Is she finna jump off the tower today? Kind of situation. Like y'all, y'all actually didn't deserve that kind of extra weight. And part of part of what therapy and what Nancy has done for me is to say, like, all right, how do we how do we recognize when we are having a moment and learn how to navigate that moment in a way that empowers me and also allows my friends to still be my friends. And it doesn't mean that I don't let them in. Um, and I'm learning how to do that better in ways that just aren't like these, um, blanket SOS 
the shit has hit the fan <laughs> moments, but to be mm-hmm. able to be like, hey, I'm not if I'm not texting or if I'm not as as engaged as I used to be, it's because I'm kind of feeling this. But, like, that comes from recognizing that we don't get, we don't have the right to just dump everything on our friends, right? That, like, our friends are people, too. They're, they have their own stuff that they're going through and navigating and journey. We might know some of that stuff, but a lot of stuff is internal that, you know, some of us haven't even, like, People may not be able to be ready to share because they're still processing it. So just because they're your friends doesn't mean that you get to lay all of that weight on their feet. Mm-hmm. And I think that um, I don't like the two our horns, but I do think that in a lot of ways, our circle has helped to model what healthy friendship can look like. Um, we are we are people who are in various stages of relationships with, um, marriage, engagement, um, other, like, (laughs) 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 looking up at the ceiling. (laughs) Are we in the fiery furnace? Is there nothing we can't see? with each other like in in intimate relationship with each other but we've learned how to how to figure out what looks like healthy boundaries because everybody got their own other stuff going on and i think that we model that in ways that folks are like oh you can't be friends women and men can't be friends yeah 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 that's a good point or oh like married folk can't be like the first thing my grandma said was, Lord, how y'all going to deal with y'all, with y'all friendship being broken? And I was like, what you mean? And she was like, well, Kevin about to get married. He's going to have a whole wife. He can't be y'all friend like that no more. And it was this idea mm-hmm. that as soon as Kevin married Marcy, that our unit was going to be, you know, broken. And then we, when we went on a trip together and she was like, Marcy letting Kevin go. I was like, Marcy coming too. And so it was this whole like, yeah, it was this yeah. whole idea. A lot of older, a lot of older, yeah, a lot of older folks have that idea. Then um, I mean, younger ones too. Oh, and that you know that, yeah, like married people only should be friends with married people. That like platonic, mm. like it's very yeah. hard to have like can't have genuine friendships across genders. Um, oh, and not you know like so a lot of them hold to those ideals, and I think they can be really limiting. Um, Doctor Marcy <laughs> is a petty prophet. She's named that. Yeah. <laughs> She's an honorary petty prophet. <laughs> That's true. I mean, and, and even and I, so, I mean, well, when you say like even so, you need also spaces. I would think out to thrive or oh, not outside of y'all, outside of your intimate relationships or oh, whatnot. So like, yeah, that's so know. true. You have to, you know, when um, Jerry Maguire was on that movie and he's like at the end with Renee Zellweger and he comes in the in the, the the house and says, "You complete me." You know, I think that that's kind of the misnomer when it comes to intimate relationships, <laughs> in that you're looking for every you're looking to be completed in your partner, and I think that that is. Uh-huh. Um, 
that's a good way to enter into something and, and wind up kind of lacking once you get in it because that person can't be everything to you, right? You have your, your own relationship. I think it takes um, a measure of confidence in the strength of that relationship and that it'll be different from um, any other relationship you have. I have a laugh in my voice because Dustin keeps changing his name on this, on this, <laughs> on this so call. Childish. Lord, I'm so childish. Yeah. Um, yeah I, so even though Marcy is um, an honorary petty prophet, she gives me the space, you know, she's not on the group chat. You know, we, we talk um, regularly, the petty, the petty prophets. Um, so there is this, there is this element that this is still kind of my friend group, though she's a part of the being grafted in. And in that same way, I am friendly with her friends as well, but you know, <laughs> You know, you gotta, you have to have your own spaces of individual flourishing. Mm-hmm. You have to know who you are, um, both in the relationship with your partner and apart from that, you are, you also are an individual self with, yeah. uh, you know, and so that, yeah. So I would. You blessing the people, doc. You are blessing the people. Oh, yeah. That, cause, yeah. Cause that matters or whatnot. Um, but some people lose their whole identity. Their identity just gets absorbed or whatnot. And that's why you, you have to have those, I think, sacred friendships, sacred relationships mm-hmm. or whatnot. And, you know, I say that being raised, yeah, for sure, by folks who was married for a really long time or whatnot. But it took, like, is, you know, me and my mother, we talk about that, uh, I think it was a couple of weeks ago or whatnot. Like just the ways that they were taught <laughs> that wouldn't, you know, and really it's really been, you know, since my father's passing that some friendships she she almost feels like she's catching back up on. Or when you feel yeah. kind of bad about that, that like because of children or whatever, or whatnot, you really lost that way of kind of being an autonomous self or whatnot, of just having your own spaces um where you could thrive for sure. Would you about to say something? My bad. Yeah, I was just saying like I mean the that thought keeps coming up of like sacred friendships or um, you know, I, I really do think like friendships uh should be healing um and i think Mm -hmm. i have um of course having you know couch ministry things of that nature but i do think it has been within these like sacred circles that i have been able to heal myself um both because i've i've had to come to know myself more deeply um but also know how i like navigate in in community with other people and so that has really um like shined a light on the things that i needed to Mm -hmm. fix right Mm -hmm. um because we can all often like make this whole statement like we are the perfect friends or whatever and that's not the case sometimes like I think Rock uh, alluded to it earlier that we can be the toxic uh, friends in some of these circles and we have been right and I still am in some circles (laughs) I really like oh yeah at the end of any given year like girl I just I'm sorry I was not the best friend of you this year let's just be honest about that but we're not like yeah and that that is okay to give yourself you grow evolve do the hell better and don't be mad at them when they have to move on. Like, oh, and like, you know. Yeah. You know, I think, like, um, for me, I had, um, I, I think, like, I mean, this is sacred spot. So, like, our, our, our issue this year, um, or like, moment, um, was me. Like, and I, I was all over the place and didn't really know how to communicate that and just kind of like cut everybody off. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
I think I came to Kevin in the dream and cussed him out, and then he cussed me out. <laughs> and so it was just like, and I called him the next day. That whole day on the group chat. So. I done cussed, I, I done cussed uh, Candace out in real life. It wasn't in no dream. <laughs> <laughs> everybody was that's what cussed everybody he? yeah Raquel doesn't cuss everybody I don't cuss people out but I say that to say one is that we're not up here posturing as if like we ain't never uh, had a moment I feel um, like we didn't do that we didn't do that the whole episode did y'all feel like no, no, no. I, 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 wasn't saying, I wasn't saying that we were but I was saying that to say that like that like that also helps to recognize like we can um, we can go from like we got our January, stuff honey right we go from like January doing a um a lock house I in the Poconos a chef house in the Poconos to like March with uh that's been going off on me on FaceTime like it's it's been <laughs> 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 But but also to say like that even in our relationships, um, even in this friendship, I don't ever want to discount and I don't ever want people to discount the importance of joy. Um, mm. Mm. We can just like, it's not just about holding each other's stuff. It's not just about being safe space for each other. Like we laugh and like we laugh mm. um, wide and deep and fully because we are all ridiculous in our own ways. And so, um, and joy matters, particularly this year. And I think like, um, it's one of, one of the things that I think is really important that I've also had to learn this year is, which we're going to have to keep in years to come, because I don't think that we have really, been able to sit with or have yet been able to sit with the weight of what this year will do and has done to all of us. Mm -hmm. It's finding ways to just be, to be gracious with you about how you're navigating things. And if, if your friends are like, you're not checking in enough or I'm feeling like this is one-sided. If these are friendships that really genuinely matter to you, find ways to take that to heart <laughs> and mm-hmm. say, okay, like, um, case in point, I have a friend who, um, I didn't realize that this year I was pulling back from her because in my head, I was like, wow, she got kids. She got to do virtual learning. So I ain't got no kids. So let me give her her week and I'm gonna leave her alone. And she saw that as like like I we used to, we used to go from chatting and talking a lot to not talking at all. And when I explained it to her, she was like, "Well, hell yeah, I got these kids and they all crazy. Like that's why I need us to Facetime, <laughs> you know." And so we we instituted two we every two weeks we would carve out two hours on a Sunday just to just to look at each other. Because part of it was I'm thinking and assuming one thing that, oh, I'm taking away from her and what she needs to do for her family because of COVID. And she's over here thinking, 
my homegirl don't even talk to me and I'm out here drowning because I got all of these responsibilities. And so it's really just checking in to be like, Hey, like, you know, I know we text, do you need, do we need to like hop on a FaceTime every so often? Do we need to, you know, I have one friend who was like, I just want to start writing letters again. And we started writing letters. Like Mm. each friendship is different. But what is true is that I think 2020 is pulling for a lot of us who are in touch with our needs, it's bringing up the kind of things that we need. Mm -hmm. And if you are a friend and have the capacity to give that, because not every friend has the capacity to do that, and that's okay, um, we all are navigating it. But if you have the capacity to do that, then find ways to do it. So like every two weeks now on FaceTime on Sunday, it's a joy for me because we get to talk about any and everything. But more than that, we get to actually look at each other's face mm-hmm. and be intentional about what kind of friend um, we're going to be to each other. And I think that matters, like being intentional. Like I don't want to be the trash friend. <laughs> like I don't want to be the friend that when I look up, everybody can be there for me, but I don't know how to be there for other folks. Um, that's just not, that's just not good humanness. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that's just, and you should want to be better. You should want to be what your friends, if you have the capacity. And I keep, I keep having to put that asterisk because that's one thing I'm learning this year too, is that some folks don't have the capacity. Some folks don't want to have the capacity. I think that's a whole nother conversation. But um yeah, do a part two. <laughs> yeah, some folks just don't want to have the capacity, but if you have the capacity to be to be what your friends need, then I think that you should do that. Yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, I think, you know, we done uh, sat and yacked our jaws what, for 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 about an hour and a half, but definitely I'm appreciative. How long? How long? Oh, okay, <laughs> but no, I think um, one thing I, I did want to mention, just because I know I, I felt like Candace had landed on even, and I went off on a tangent talking about the married folks and partner folks and friendships, but I also think it's important that. Uh, in certain friendships that you present as safe, like, um, like you know, um, I feel like particularly working with Gen Z and working with college students, like, I always have to stress that to um, young men who come in or whatnot that it, like you can be friends with women um, and not like expect for it to go <laughs> like or not just presenting yourself or even young you know even young women as well or not like just presenting yourself as someone um, who is safe to be in company with or whatnot and oftentimes if 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 black women find that in you or whatnot um like it is it is something that is sacred or whatnot um or whatnot if if black women see you as someone who is who is safe to befriend who is safe to unpack with who is safe to behold um to to be around or whatnot and to you know share yourself with or that that is a gift or whatnot so always charging you know fellas to be like that or whatnot um and also like charging them to to uh to to really i don't know to do that work or when that takes doing a lot of work to like to uh, on ourselves right or when you know um you know to to be safe or when you know um and to and, and to and to make sure that I'm not expecting anything out 
of these friendships or whatnot that may be unreasonable, that maybe I haven't communicated, like all that stuff matters or whatnot. Um, and so I just did want to say that because I felt like I didn't think about that in regards to this friendship and in regards to, I guess, a lot of friendships I have with men or whatnot um, until I actually had a friendship that was platonic that turned little, and I didn't realize what happened or whatnot. Um, or whatnot. Like, man, I was like, I thought we was getting pizza. Like, I do not understand what's happening here. Um, or whatnot. And I, <laughs> what'd you say, Kevin? That wasn't my idea of pizza. <laughs> Whoa, wait a minute. Like, you got the peas mixed up. <laughs> oh, you said pizza. <laughs> Y'all cut it. You know what? And on that note, on that, like we're done. I can't. You can't have nothing. <laughs> so <laughs> the last question that we always ask: What are you doing to heal yourself and others uh, this week? Like, what are you doing uh, for self healing? <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing for self healing? Um, you know, as we uh, pick, uh, you want to start it off. <laughs> Whoever ain't laughing, <laughs> uh, well, let Kevin. Kevin go first. <laughs> well, I already alluded. Well, I um, I like to try to get out some of this pent up energy, so I try to ride my bike, and also I do that just for health reasons because I got high blood pressure. Um, yeah. So I'm trying to. Got down though, Reverend. Yes, I done. Oh yes, I done got it down. Thank you, Jesus. Uh, it was it was pretty dangerous for a little while there. But anyway, I, I like to ride my bike. I like to watch TV. I got me a TV now. I'm not so safe. I can't have no TV. I've been watching the Mandalorian show, and that's on pause. I can't wait to get off this call so I can go back over there and, and finish watching it. But Good. also just find joy in, in in these relationships. I find joy spending time with my wife. I mm-hmm. So these are kind of avenues and, and I also believe in a good old sanctified nap. So that's another way that I'm trying to heal myself. And most of all, I think that all of this is encapsulated under the kind of um, mantra of finding a way to love and appreciate myself. Mm. Because I feel like, you know, when I, I feel like I've wanted to so much to be and do and, and, and accomplish this or that. Um, but I can only do that to the, to the extent to which I am caring for myself. And so being appreciative of my body, thanking God for these moments that I have um, kind of encapsulates how I try to, how I'm trying to live into and and, and appreciate myself so that I can um, not only be healing to myself, but also provide healing to other people. Mm, Absolutely. I know it's right. Mimbo, what about you? Uh, sex and um, like, <laughs> I really hate you. <laughs> hey, like, look, it's therapy. That's true. Like, if like, we talk about what I've had to do this week, like I, I've had to, I've had to engage in physical intimacy, and I think that that's that is sacred. Um, I think half of black and single black women's problems is because they don't allow themselves to be touched. That wasn't gonna be my that wasn't gonna be my testimony this week. Um, touch, uh, touch me, Lord <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, and I am uh binging old television shows, which is like. 
I've gone, I mean, and they're not, they're not old. Yeah, they are old. Like, I've been going back to, like, shows that I hadn't seen in years, Desperate Housewives, Brothers and Sisters, um, because I wanted to get back to remembering those, those always, these old TV shows evoke memories in me. And so, um, to get away from and escape the, the reality TV show that is American politics right now, um, I've just been going back to some old shows. So that's what I've been doing this week. What about you, Pete? Anything newer? Uh, no, I mean, really just being consistent with some of the stuff that I've put out there. I do think this week, though, I have thought more about um, how I can not spread myself so thin. Uh, mm-hmm. So what does it look like to actually reach out for help, um, to employ the resources that are around me? I had to, like, really sit with myself and realize that there have been moments where I not I have not been as teachable as I could be um, or I should be. Um, and so just really having to... Um, to just like sit down and trust that there are other people who uh, who can help me and know how to get things done. And I've Amen. called on people, you know, be it with my, you know, with my businesses or with school, whatever it may have been. I've really had to just rest in that. And I will say that this week I have, uh, just like Kevin, I've taken more naps than I have in, in most weeks. I've tried to develop a routine now. So I'm putting more naps in the day because I try to get up around 5.30 or so and, you know, meditate and kind of have a process. So that's something that I've definitely uh, started doing to heal myself is developing a routine, but also knowing when to pause, when to take a break, when to take a nap, and when to lean on other people and their expertise to um, to assist me in the work. Yeah, what about you, Rocky? What are you doing? I'm trying to thank y'all. I... Uh... Yeah, this week has been a doozy. I tell you what, it was it, it, it was election. I didn't know if I was anxious because of the election or because I had fried everything in the house. I was so nervous. Um, not. So, so for the rest of that week, I had to be very intentional, number one, about intuitive eating um, and actually eating some vegetables or whatnot, putting some vegetables in my body or whatnot, and coming home in enough time to actually cook. Um, you, know, you know, I recognize that yeah, for for me, food uh, is energy. Um, and so, mm-hmm. a lot of times when I I know when my energy is off, you know, that's when I I just can I can binge, you know, on on some really really um horrendous uh uh not not uh, oh yeah I can binge on some horrendous eating practices because the food is not horrendous, but oh not sometimes just not in enough moderation. So yeah. I've felt better about that this week, um for sure or oh, not. And you know, uh one of the things I enjoy my good friend um uh. Courtney on um, CCJ Pastor Pastor Courtney, she did a meditation on election anxiety, and I have uh, been going back to that meditation um, twice this week in the mornings or whatnot, just because it's so good. I mean, it's so common or whatnot. Um, and so I've been going back to that a little bit, you know, in the mornings before work, um, and just sitting with it. And thank God we we're, you know, like I say, it's, it's looking out of the woods, but those couple days when it felt like, you know, too, you know, really too close to call and you were just like, wow, this should not even be that close. That meditation was very helpful for me, um, in keeping me grounded and keeping me centered. Um, and also just, uh, for, you know, as far as healing others, I have basically cleared programming, you know, I'm going to, yeah, like, um, and now it's just the office is just really just being there. <laughs> um, because like just when they, you know, um, when, when folks need you just actually just 
being there, being in the office, being in the space so that they can um, show up and, you know, and unwind or whatnot. So I've been trying to, you know, tap into some of that or whatnot um, and, and, and really take meditation seriously um, because I think, you know, we, you know, you can talk about it, say it, but like you say, you got to develop a routine um, around it um, and kind of do it, you know, when you feel like it. And sometimes yeah. even when you don't or whatnot, your spiritual practices um, so that you can kind of um, be grounded and be rooted in it. Yeah, sure. that's real. That's real. Well, y'all, we've come to the to the close of this thing. This has been well, great. You your name again. What'd you say? I said you changed your name again. You know it. Uh, <laughs> this is this has been great. I think uh, again, just a reminder. Even this 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 um, talking together on this Zoom on this on this podcast is just a reminder of how important friendships are. I think with all the anxiety that has. Uh, come up this week around the elections this has definitely helped me um today to really um feel good about moving forward so well you know we always close out with our uh word uh giving the people a word so anybody got a word they want to leave with the folk uh as we get ready to close out and call this episode done no uh, bishop bishop sure fit uh kevin um <laughs> what's your closing word for the week leave, leave the people with something positive anything that has that has stuck with you yeah i i guess i do have something i can say i used to um i remember when i was a uh, younger i would complain to my mother that i felt like i didn't have uh, a lot of friends and because I, I was a little bit weird and, and eccentric as a kid a nerd if you can if you can you know with the the kool-aid socks and all that stuff high kool-aid socks and uh so i would whine about not having friends and my mom would just always say a person who shows if you want friends a person who shows themselves uh friendly attracts friends so mm -hmm. whoever wants friends show yourself friendly I know that. and um i know that some of us maybe are reevaluating our relationships and reevaluating our friendships at times like these maybe you do have friendships like that and god bless you if you do maybe you don't um and so i would just encourage you to reflect um that kind of ethos of friendship that you want to attract into the atmosphere and use that intuition and send that out into the, into the atmosphere and, and see, won't God send you somebody that can, yeah. that, can um, that can be that kind of friend to you that can help you to grow. And it don't have to be, you know, we already talked about not romantic, but it can be something that can, um, that you can come to cherish, oh, and you know, and sometimes maybe the, the relationships that you are in, you want them to go and evolve into an, uh, to another level, and so reflect that in those relationships and see mm. if you can if you can um, attract that to yourself. And I and I can tell you that God is faithful. So that's what I want to leave. Amen. 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 I know that's right. That's a word there. Will y'all catch us next time or whatnot? Uh, Kevin, uh, how can people find y'all if they if they if they want to connect? You can find me. My my Twitter handle is and Twitter and Instagram handles are at the treacher. Teach, reach, and preach. Treacher. <laughs> the and then T R E A C H E R. All right. What about you, Bimbo? Uh, you can find me on Instagram and on Twitter at Candace Bimbo, and then you can follow my blog at www.candacebimbo.com. 
All right, all right. All right, right, folks. Well, thanks for joining with us to the sacred spot. We'll see you uh, next time. Peace.